Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church. Well, today Texas. is Pentecost Sunday, and I'm going to jump right into this message. The title of my message is called Wind Blown. And it's about understanding the spirit-led life. I don't know what type of church you grew up in. There are lots and lots of different types of churches. I'm going to give you a little bit of an illustration. Um, When you use the word Pentecost, some people instantly think of a certain denomination, the Pentecostal denomination or denominations. There's a number of them. And and then you have this, I'm going to give you kind of a, a sliding scale or a spectrum around what different churches are like. Okay, so if you're all the way over here on the Pentecostal, uh, UPC, UHC, Pentecostal holiness, these folks are radical, okay? These are, these are folks that, man, they believe in anything that Jesus did, anything that Jesus said, you can do it, you can have it, and, and they're, they're right on that level, but they might make you feel weird, they might freak you out just a little bit. They're pretty intense, okay? Then you have all the way over here, and this is Catholic, okay? So now as you start, and again, all the body of Christ, all the people of God, all his children all have a purpose. But as you start, so this is, this is the side that's going to be, uh, if you've ever been to a Catholic church, it's beautiful, it's reverent, it's, it's powerful. It's, you stand up, you sit down, you recite different things. It's called a liturgical type of church. And you kind of baby step over uh, and you get a little riskier. So it's maybe, I don't know the exact, so don't quote me on, but it's, you got your Lutheran and your Presbyterian and your Methodist and your Episcopalian and your, you see what I'm saying? And you're kind of baby stepping to now you're in a Bible church, okay? And then you're in the Baptist world. Did you know that 50 something, 56%, I believe, of American Christians that go to church, go to a Baptist church? This is why. It's in the middle, okay? It's, you know, and don't get me wrong, because you can fall asleep anywhere. Some of you, I have to like just, you know, shoot stuff at you. But you're probably not falling asleep over there, because they're they're gonna be yelling to you about hell and the power of God and all kinds of stuff like that. And and it's, they're they're, they're a little wild. Over here, it's a little softer. You might doze off a little bit and get away with stuff. Baptist world is very safe. It's, It's good teaching. It's good, it's a great place to be. Nothing wrong. All of these are part of God's body of Christ. As you keep working this way, you move into uh, different types of uh, spirit-filled or non-denominational churches, and then the Assembly of God, and different Church of God, and di- different types of things, and then you get all the way back over here. I, I don't know where you, where did you grow up? Anybody grew up over here? Man, no, no rattlesnakes though, right? No, a couple of rattlesnakes? No rattlesnakes. But maybe a big bun on your head, right? So holy you had to wear jean skirts all the way to the ground. No mixed bathing. And if you don't know what that means, you did not grow up Pentecostal. That means that boys and girls don't swim together. Of course you shouldn't bathe together, but you certainly can't swim together. And as you cut down, my parents were over here, Pentecostal holiness. Uh, I mean, they grew up in it, all right? And, and then, but as it kind of moves this way, then you get into the uh, assembly of God and different types of what would be called charismatic. Uh, uh, or, or Pentecostal churches that still believe in all of the power of the Holy Spirit, all of the expression of the Holy Spirit, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit available for today, but maybe a, a little less, 
you know, out there, okay? And again, nothing wrong with these folks. There are folks that need out there, okay? And there are folks that need kneel down and stand up. And the different parts of the body of Christ are forever. It, it, everyone needs a different experience, guys. So there's no bad. There's nothing bad here. What we want to do is we want to find out what the church should have been like, could have been like, if Jesus, again, this is our motto here at Oaks Church, if Jesus was the pastor, what would it be like? If Jesus was the pastor of this church, and he is, he's the good shepherd, what would it be like? Because you can have all of the power without being weird, and you can have all of the reverence and, and the safety, you know, with, without being so regimented, okay? Now, did you know that the word Catholic, just, just so you understand, there were no denominations in the beginning. It was one church. It was called the universal church of God. And the word Catholic means universal. So it started out, and the Catholic church was the church. It was the church of the apostles and the, pro I mean, all of them, I mean, the, all of, all of the, the disciples, it was one church. But then you get a couple, year, couple hundred years down the road, and Rome comes in and takes over the church, and the church became very different than, than it was originally, because the original Catholic church was very spirit-filled, very miraculous, very full of power. People were speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. They were laying hands on the sick. All of the miracles happened in the Catholic Church. But, but as you get over here into the 300s, just give me a little church history, Constantine took over the Christian religion and introduced all of the different, uh, some different rituals that were connected to some of the Roman beliefs, uh, like having a female deity so Mary now 300 years after Jesus becomes a deity that people pray to that's nowhere in the Bible guys now you're, you're not going to go to hell for trying to talk to Mary but that's not her job all right we have been and just so you know she, Jesus gave us access beyond his own access did you know that Jesus didn't even say pray to me anymore. In fact, Jesus began to say things like, you're not going to come to me for anything. You're going to go directly to my Father in my name. I'm giving you my access. So we're not supposed to pray to anyone else and ask anyone else for help. All of these other saints, wonderful people, heroes. But there's nowhere in the Bible that teaches us to talk to them or pray to them or ask them to help. Jesus is the model that we're supposed to follow, and he told us to go straight to dad and use his authority, okay? So that's actual biblical. Now you have from here, there were all types of revivals that happened. The Methodist church at one point in time was the most radical church on the planet. Did you know that? I'm talking holy rollers, Pentecost. I mean, they were spirit-filled. Uh, they, they were miracles and signs, all kinds of stuff. And this, guys, I just want you to understand what happens, what happens is men get involved. God is doing a great thing. Men get involved. It goes from a movement, turns into this big infrastructural organization that just like a corporation, if you've got a mom and pop shop, you can do anything. You can flow and follow and do whatever. But you go into a multi-billion dollar or even multi-million dollar company and there's tons of bureaucracy and control to keep all the system at work. So all throughout church history, there's been these massive revivals and, and incredible moves of the Spirit, and then men get involved. And just so you know, 
humans want to control everything, okay? Humans want to control everything. I had a wonderful conversation with a friend of mine who's in the church, and we were playing golf a couple weeks ago, and he was asking, we're talking all about healing and miracles and all these different things, and he said, wouldn't it be great if there was just a formula? Like that it's like A plus B minus C times D equals miracle healing. Wouldn't that be great? I said, yes, except then a man would try to patent it, control it, and sell it for a profit because that's what man always does. We ruin everything. And religion, just so you understand, by definition, the word religion means man's attempts to get close to God. It's all about man's control. What we have from Jesus is God's attempt to get close to man. And it's all about relationship, and it's not all about rules. In the, my goodness, we could go to certain churches and there's eight million rules, good people caught up in rules. Jesus shrunk all of the laws. There's over 600 laws in Jewish text. Jesus shrunk them all down into one law. It's called the law of love. And it has two parts. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we can just follow the one law of love, Jesus said that we'll fulfill all of the hundreds of requirements just by doing those things. So we as human beings have to stop trying to control everything that God is trying to do. And it's the hardest thing. Because we're, we in our nature, our very nature, we want to try to control things. Okay, now if you have a controller in your family, don't elbow them right now. But some of us are, are a little free-flowing and loosey-goosey and we go with the flow. And then others of us, I mean, it's got to be just like this. Okay, now remember... I'm not saying anything bad about any denomination or any, any religion. Every single part of God's church, this is part of the beauty. It's this mosaic of God's people, the mosaic of all of these different denominations, all of these different people. And just so you know, most of them were formed because people got in a fight. And it's like, I, I don't agree with that. I don't like how this is going. We're taking our ball and we're going over here and we're going to kick our ball over here and play with this. And guess what? God uses church splits to do something new that he wants to do. Did you know that? Just because there's separation, just because there's relationship here, and then it's time for that relationship to not be anymore. It's time to go and, and you could, we love you, love you over there. We're going to be over here, and we're going to obey and do what God's called us to do. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's actually very biblical. Because one man is not supposed to control all the other men. It was not Jesus' mission, and we're going to talk a lot about Jesus' mission today. It was not Jesus' mission to have one voice for the whole church and no one else talking. Wasn't the mission, wasn't the model, isn't the model. There are lots of wonderful, some of the biggest churches in the world. I could go through and name churches out of Oklahoma or out of uh, Alabama. I mean, massive, 50,000, 80,000, 100,000 people, one guy talking. That's just not the model. That one guy may be amazing, but it's not the model. 
Jesus literally said, it's good for you that I go away. Why? Because the model is mass multiplication of voices hearing from God and speaking what God is saying. That's the actual model. If the model was one voice for everyone, Jesus would never have left and the Holy Spirit would never have come. But the model is and always will be that Brandon's got a word inside of him and Claire's got a word inside of her and Nate's got a word inside of him and Stan's got a word and Miranda's got a word, almost called you Panda. Nobody needs to know about that, Panda. Okay, but I mean, we, you understand? Obi's got a word. You have a voice. And there's a circle of influence that only your voice can reach, Ryan. And that's why you need this Pentecostal experience that I'm about to explain to everybody so that you can live a spirit-led life and the wind of the breath of God can blow on you so that you can reach the people that only you can reach. I have no interest in, in building a, this some kind of mega church empire at all. Doesn't interest me at all. I don't care how big this church gets. I care how healthy this church is. That's what I care about. But, okay? And what I'm really passionate about is how many independent free voices can we launch that God can blow on and breathe on. It's not about me owning churches, okay? It's not about anyone owning properties and churches. It's about mass multiplication of the spirit-breathed message of God coming alive inside of individuals because Tiffany has a voice. Izzy has a voice. Larry has a voice. God wants to breathe in you, and he wants your voice to be heard. And that doesn't mean that everyone starts church churches. Not everyone's called to run a church organization. But every one of us is called to be the church. And you can't be the church without the Holy Spirit. It's the whole point. I'm going to tell you something really strong. Jesus said this. If you blaspheme me, the Son of God, you can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you speak piercing words against the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish, you can never be forgiven. Guys, that is terrifying. Because there are whole segments of the Christian church that anything that can't be controlled is spoken against. And, and literally grieving what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit is about freedom and releasing people to follow him. It's not about control. I'll read you a couple of different voices, but I want you, or verses, uh, but I want you to understand that Jesus didn't die so that you could be comfortable. Jesus died so you could be powerful. He died so you could be powerful. The entire work of Jesus Christ was about returning us back to the original design where man walked with God and was fully empowered by his spirit on a daily basis. And even greater, the second Adam, it says in scripture, Jesus is greater than the first, meaning that now God, if you go back to the book of Genesis and look at the story and how it plays out, God would come in the cool of the day, every single day, morning, 
evening. We don't know exactly, was it one time, two times, but we typically have two cool parts of the day. God would come and he would walk with Adam and teach Adam, but then he would leave. What Jesus did is he actually created an opportunity for God to come and live in you and walk with you and teach you all day, every day. It's even better than the original design. Jesus died so that you could be powerful. Now, in America, we have a lot of different options. You have a whole spectrum of churches, and you can opt out of anything that makes you uncomfortable. I don't, they talk about this too much. They did that too much. Uh, they keep saying love on somebody, and that's just strange. We you do a lot of weird things in Christian church, right? We use these different, just go and just love on somebody. That's awkward to a whole lot of people, right? Touch your neighbor and say, come on, don't touch me, neighbor. Ninja chops here, keep the whatever, right? You gotta, you gotta keep, we do weird things in church. And you can opt out of anything that's uncomfortable. But we should never opt out of the power of God. See, I've had the, the beautiful privilege and pleasure to have many friends, Christian friends, that are from Africa, got saved in Africa, and the power of God is not optional in Africa. Because they deal, they see real, what we think of as stuff from movies is real in Africa. It's real in India. It's real in South America. There are parts of the world where the demonic presence is so strong and so concentrated and so powerful. Nothing wrong with the people. Nothing wrong. But there are territories. The, 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 the earth has territories where there are strongholds where dark forces, evil forces have control and have reign and rule. And in those places of intense concentration of dark spiritual stuff, you can't be a milky, white, plain, vanilla toast Christian because you will get eaten alive because there's real witch doctors and there's real voodoo and there's real demonic power and it will destroy you. They don't have the luxury. Now, now there are a lot of churches that have uh, different uh, doctrines or beliefs. One of the biggest in the entire world in 2015 changed a portion of their teaching or doctrine on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to name which one. You can go and look it up. 2015 in May, there was a massive denomination that said from now on, our missionaries in other parts of the world are allowed to operate in the gift of tongues and prophecy and miracles and all this kind of stuff because they can't compete with the darkness over there. So we're going to allow them to do that over there, just, just not when they come back here. When you come back to America, leave all that stuff there, but back, say, hey, we're making progress. Baby steps, right? Because guess what? If you're not careful, if we're not careful, if we don't actually shine the light and walk in the power that Jesus designed us to walk in, America will be a dark place again. You can't be a nominal Christian in China because it's deadly. The body of Christ is a beautiful thing. My goal for you today is to walk you through and help you understand this 
this experience, this holiday called Pentecost. Now, I'm going to start here, and I'm going to read a verse to you in just a moment. But, but just so you can kind of, and I'll, I'll catch you up real quickly. But there's the holiday of Passover. We celebrate as Christians Easter. We don't typically celebrate Passover. Uh, then we have this holiday uh, called Pentecost that most churches hardly even mention. But they were the two most important holidays in the Jewish culture, and they were to Jesus and they were to the disciples. Because Passover was when, in Egypt, the, there was 10 curses, and Pharaoh had a hard heart and was punishing God's people, and so God released 10 curses or 10 plagues, the last of which was a death angel. That's scary when Jesus, or when God releases a death angel upon people to teach them a lesson. And the lesson was about being marked with the innocent blood of a lamb that would cover and this is where the sacrificial systems came into place for the Jewish people. They sacrificed an innocent lamb. They marked on their doorposts with the blood of the innocent lamb. So that's, that's where you get this kind of thing from, is, is the marking on the, the doorpost idea. And, and when that death angel came through, all of the Israelites that had been marked with the blood of an innocent lamb, the death angel literally passed over their house. Every house that didn't have the blood of the innocent lamb the death angel went in and the firstborn in every single family and the firstborn of every single animal died that night. You can imagine. It, I mean, that's massively apocalyptic. That was the morning, the next morning, that Pharaoh finally said, just get out of here now, go. And the people, after the Passover, went on a journey into the wilderness for 49 days, seven weeks until on the 49th day, the end of that day, the 50th day, penta means 50, Pentecost means 50 days, that's literally what it means, that's the day that we have Moses coming down, we remember uh, the, from the movie, he's got his Ten Commandments, and if you've seen uh, Mel Gibson's, uh, not Mel Gibson's, but the, the Mel Brooks version, he, he has 15 commandments, and he, and he drops one and goes, we have 15... We have 10 commandments, right? That's the funny verse. Okay, but it was exactly 50 days, seven weeks. In the Jewish culture, it's called the Feast of Weeks. And the 50th day is Pentecost. And it's the day that Jews celebrate the giving of God's word. This is a major thing, right? A massively powerful thing. God's word in our life in a written form is hugely powerful. But Jesus didn't die for you just to have God's words on paper or on tablets. Jesus actually said that he was dying so that you could have God's word written on the tablets of your heart. That he would write God's word inside of you. That God's word would be so near you that you could have interactive teaching relationship communication with the living God. A living, breathing relationship with the creator of the universe because his spirit was going to come and live inside of you. Not just come upon you and do cool things temporarily and then go away. But to live inside you permanently. Jesus was the Passover lamb. He paid for your sins once and for all. And then 50 days later was Pentecost Sunday. And I'm going to read some passages to you in a moment so that you understand. But I want you to recognize first and foremost that the Holy Spirit baptism is, was, and forever will be the original mission of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just about getting you to heaven. 
Getting you to heaven is the end goal, the ultimate end goal. But without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God, without that, we don't have the power to get very many other people to heaven. It's all about power. It's all about the power of God manifest in your life. Let me read you a couple just quick passages. This is the first time in John chapter 1 uh, in John's gospel we're introduced to Jesus through John the Baptist, who was the last Old Testament prophet. This is what John the Baptist says. Are you watching? This is the introduction to Jesus' ministry right here. The first mention of Jesus' ministry that sets the parameters for what Jesus' ministry is all about. Are you ready? I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him, Jesus. I didn't know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit, God's Spirit, descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What, what? <laughs> the actual mission of Jesus Christ was that every single one of us would not just be baptized with water, Water baptism is for repentance of sins. We all need that, some of us more often than others. The purpose was a baptism of the Spirit, where the Spirit of the living God comes inside of you, fills every single quadrant of your body, every cell of your body, and changes you once and for all, filling you with God's power so that you can never go back to how you used to live. You can never go back to who you used to be. You may have bad days, bad weeks. Come on, I've had some bad years. I've had years, can I be honest and really transparent? I've had years of my life as a pastor where I looked at who I was and who I used to be and I didn't like me anymore. Because I used to be way better than I was at that current moment. You can have entire seasons where you're, where you're not, you're just not hitting on all cylinders. You're not living at that level. You're, you're not, there's something off. You're dealing, you're battling, you're fighting through something, and you're not what you used. But listen, I can never go back to who I was before I received that. You may have a little scale in your up. Come on, we all have ups and downs in our life. But I'm talking about... A change because of the Holy Spirit in your life that you can never, ever go back from. Amen? Look at this. This is Jesus explaining salvation. It's one of the very first places. This is the passage where we get John 3, 16 out of that explains how people are saved. But John 3, 5, Jesus is talking to a scholar, a ruler of Israel whose name was Nicodemus, who believed in Jesus, but he was so caught up in the religious system, he couldn't let anybody know about it because it would cause a major upheaval in the governmental system of, of Israel. And so he had to follow Jesus privately, and he comes and has a, a, an experience or a meeting with Jesus in the middle of the night to get clarification, and this is what Jesus says, John 3, 5, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Watch. The wind blows where it wishes, and, you're, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from 
and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus literally said it's not just about water baptism. It's about spirit baptism. You need to be born again of the Spirit. And when you're truly born of the Spirit, there's a wind of God that begins to blow in your life and you can't control it and you can't explain it and you can't, you, you, you can't guide it or steer it. You become wind blown. And the Holy Spirit will blow you where He wants to blow you and lead you where He wants to lead you. You're no longer in charge of your life. The Holy Spirit is in charge of your life. Far too many of us are wrapped up in, well, I'm not comfortable with that, and I don't like that, and I, I mean, I, I don't know why they don't have a playground, uh, you know, inside the building at this church. Well, we're four months old. Cut us a little bit of slack, right? We'll have a playground down the road, all right? But come on, there are people that are so wrapped up in consumer Christianity it's all about serve me, serve me, serve me. Well, this one has really nice bagels and, and their cream is actual whole cream. It's amazing. And we get caught up in all of this stuff that's all about our comfort and our consumerism. And we become this princess Christian. How do you know they're a princess? Because they can feel the pee underneath 14 mattresses. They're so easily irritated, so irritable about anything that's not right in their little world that they'll just get their little skirt up and just walk off. Well, Princess Christians, that wasn't planned. Probably won't do that next service. Ugh. That's what you get for first service. You get the, the, the raw version. <laughs> No, yeah, no, no, I cannot do that again. I, I'll trip over my high heel. Um, <laughs> come on, guys. It's not about your convenience. It's not about your comfort. It's not, if God wants you to say bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, that's on him. That's his business. You have no opinion about it. If he wants you to go do mission work, to start a small group, if the Holy Spirit is blowing on you, Jennifer doesn't like to come up on this stage. She's a behind-the-scenes kind of gal. But when the Holy Spirit blows on her, she better get up. Because it's not about her. It's about the Holy Spirit blowing on your life. And if you disobey the wind of the Spirit, it'll stop blowing in your life. And you will live a dead, boring experience called Christianity. Welcome to religion when you quench the Holy Spirit, when you stop obeying the Holy Spirit. Welcome to religion. Welcome to the opposite of what Jesus came to accomplish. Welcome to the destruction of everything Jesus came to accomplish when you stop allowing the wind to blow in your life. You can't control it. It's going to make you uncomfortable. He's going to blow in your life and make you go talk to people you don't want to talk to. Make you give things you don't want to give. Make you love people that don't smell good. Make you do all kinds of stuff. Because it's not about us. It's a major controversy. We've got to be blown by God's Spirit. God wants to blow 
He wants to blow into our lives. He wants it to be alive and fresh. You understand, when God made Adam, he was just this lump of clay, and then all of a sudden, God went, Do you know that word in Hebrew for blow? It's ruach. It's the spirit, the breath of God. If breath ever leaves your body, you ever had your breath knocked out? Oh my God, it's terrifying. Hurts. If you've never had your breath knocked out, come see me after service. <laughs> just so you know about it. I just want you to know about it. Oh my God, it's horrible. When you can't breathe and you can't get a breath in. You understand what happens if you don't get a breath in for too long, right? Die. Just like a lot of good churches. Just like a lot of good people who are spiritually dead, once alive, spiritually dead. God's saying, can these dry bones live? Yeah, Yeah, they can. But they have to open up to the breath. You gotta open up and allow the breath of God to come on your life. Doesn't matter how far away, doesn't matter how dead your relationship with God has gotten. He can blow in your life again. Now, I'm gonna shock you with this. Actually, I'm gonna read something to you because this is, this is straight out of my journal and this is the only way I know how to pastor and the only way I know how to lead is to just, just take you on the journey God's taken me on. This is what the Lord said to me this week. He said, let my wind blow in your life. Let go and let me have control. I'm the groom You're the bride. Let me lead the dance. Go with my flow. My river of life has a flow. Let my wind of the Spirit steer and guide your life. Stop oversteering and overcorrecting. Relax. Rest. Let your hair down. That's figuratively. Live the wind-blown life. That's what the Lord's saying to me. When there are things in my life I want to control. And the Lord's like, stop it. Stop it. Let me blow in your life. Let me control it. Let, let me take you off the path. This is the statement that's a little shocking for some. Holy Spirit baptism is a command It's not a suggestion. It's a command of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is explaining to his disciples, these are some of his, these are literally his last words recorded by Luke before he ascended into heaven. Watch this. This is Acts chapter 1. I'm probably going to skip down to maybe the third or fourth verse. I'll probably do the second verse, something like that. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. This is, this is a part of the, the 50 days, okay? So Jesus dies three days in the grave. 40 days is what this describes to us. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That's 43 days. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days 
you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Watch, this is human nature. Watch what happens. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? This is, they're putting on their make, make Israel great again hats. They're MAGA hats, right? That's what they're putting on right now. The Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit's coming. Got to put on my MAGA hat. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying this is, I got to make Israel great again. Wasn't Jesus' focus. Wasn't the purpose. Jesus literally 70 years from Jesus' birth was the destruction of Israel. Jesus is like, look, we don't have time to make Israel great again. This whole thing is coming down to the ground. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Here's the point. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That word is martus. It means you will die for me. You will be my martyrs. Some of us, the problem is we're trying too hard to live. And we're commanded to die so that he can make us alive. In fact, we're commanded to die every day. Jesus said, unless you deny yourself daily, pick up your cross, your instrument of death, and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. We gotta stop trying so hard to live and stay alive. Live this life that we wanna live, all of our comforts, all of our riches, all of our whatever. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but if you're living to live, you've missed the point. We're living to die daily so that we can truly live. It's about abundant life. You'll receive power when you become, when the Spirit comes upon you, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And after he said all this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They literally watched him ascend into heaven. They were still looking intently up to the sky like, where'd he go? I can't see him no more, right? I mean, that's what's going on. And watch, while they stood there, Two men suddenly dressed in all white stood. These are angels. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking at the sky? Isn't this funny? Angels are like, what are you doing? Why are you standing here looking at the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And then it says that they went out and began to do miraculous works in the power of God. Now watch, this is Acts chapter 1. This is one week, seven days. I counted out 43 days for you. Three days in the grave, raised from the dead, 40 days of appearing and teaching them and and giving them scripture. And now he says to them, wait in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem because the gift, the promise, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and fill you with power to be my witnesses. And it just happened to be the week, the seventh week of the Feast of Weeks, which is all of the celebrations and all the people are coming. Jews from all over the world are coming into Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, the seventh week. And all week long, all of these seven days, they're in the upper room. Acts chapter two, they're in the upper room. They're praying, they're worshiping, they're seeking God. And then all of a sudden on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, a wind blows in the house. A wind blows in the house. And what happens when the wind blows? They all start speaking in other languages, prophetic tongues, just like Jesus said they would. 
they all start prophesying or saying what God is saying. And they're doing it in all these different languages. And all of these people who were Jews but from different parts of the world, they heard them speaking in languages that there was no way that these, lily, these, these, these little lake folk from Galilee, these are like the people from the colony. <laughs> Love the colony. Lake folk out there. That's who Jesus picked. If you're from the colony, he picked you, right? He picked lake folk from Galilee to come and be a part of his mission. And all of these fancy Jews coming in going, how do these lake folk know our language? And there were three types of people. People that were totally open to it, people that were curious, and people that said, these, these guys are drunk. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Guys, we have three types of people in almost every church service. People that aren't buying it. People that are curious and they keep sticking around. And people that are all in. That's what happened on Pentecost. But the point that we see here, the point, because Peter stands up in his boldness and he begins to preach one of the most amazing messages. If you've not read Acts chapter two, I encourage you, please read Acts chapter two this week. He, 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 he preaches this unbelievably powerful message and he was so bold. Power and boldness were the point of the Holy Spirit coming into your life so that you could actually live like Jesus while you're alive on the earth and operate in supernatural knowledge, supernatural wisdom, supernatural understanding. You, that, that's why you see tongues and prophecy were the initial signs of the baptism of the Holy Spirit because they're both all about supernatural communication. And if you're going to be who God's called you to be, you need supernatural communication in your life. God's breath in your life. God's voice in your life. Breathing the Holy Spirit. Now, you listen, I'm going to say something that, that a lot of churches may or may not say. You can choose. If you don't want to speak in the gift of tongues, you can opt out of it. You, you'll miss out on some blessings and some benefits that the Bible really talks about that are absolutely amazing. But you don't have to do it. You can opt out of it. I wouldn't recommend it. It's one of the most powerful things that I've ever walked in and experienced as far as helping me to tap into the power of God in an instant, in a moment. Tap into the breath of God. Tap into the voice of God. It's, and that's what it's for. Okay? The gift of prophecy, you can opt out of it. You don't want to hear what God's saying. You don't want to say what God's saying. That's all it is. You can opt out of it. Can you still go to heaven? Sure. But you're going to be way less effective if you start opting out of the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, I like the word of wisdom. That one makes me feel good. <laughs> word of wisdom. I have the voice of wisdom. Oh, that one's comfortable, right? Laying hands on the sick, a little less comfortable, right? Miracles, be cool, right? I'm sure all of us at some point in time, if we grew up, we, we thought, you know what, I'm gonna try walking on water. Anybody? Follow Jesus. You said, if, if you bid me to come, then I'll, then I'll come. And I'll, just tell me to come. You go into the water, right? And we walk. Miracles be awesome. People walk in them. But only people that believe. People speak, people speak in tongues. But only people that believe. You can opt out of any of it. You can opt out of all of it. The more you opt out of, the less effective you'll be 
walking in his power. Okay? I'm not trying to put any pressure on anybody, but personally, personally, I want all of it. I want all of it. I don't want to leave anything that Jesus died for on the table. I want all of it. Miracles? Yes. Healing? Yes. Tongues? Yes. Interpretation? Yes. Prophecy? Yes. Wisdom? Yes. Knowledge? Yes. Uh, uh, Discerning of spirits? Yes. Supernatural faith? Heck yes. I want it all. I want it all. And you can have it all. Now, different people, and I'm just going to teach you the right way, different people have different propensities towards certain things. And some of you, your whole life, you've heard the voice of God. And others of you, it's like crickets. And you have different propensities. Some people just walk in wisdom, and some people are squirrely. Right? You, you just, I mean, you, there are different people have different gifts, and God gives as he gives measure. But he wouldn't have said in 1 Corinthians 12, to covet all the greater gifts if it wasn't something you could have. Because coveting is actually a sin. So for God to, in his word, tell us to covet the gifts of the spirit, if it was a sin to covet what somebody else has, doesn't make any sense unless he actually wanted you to want them really bad so that you could walk in his power. Jesus walked in all of the gifts of the spirit. He walked in all of them. And he said that, Any of us that believe would do what he did in greater things. I'm just inviting you today. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. I'm inviting you to just open yourself up for the Holy Spirit. I'm inviting you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to breathe into your life. Uh, and to begin to follow the Holy Spirit. Guys, this will help you in your business. This will help you in your parenting. This will help you in your marriage. This will help you in your friendships. Having the breath of the Holy Spirit in your life will actually help every area of your life. But it'll make you a heck of a lot more effective drawing people to Christ as well. Amen? Amen. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, if you want the Holy Spirit just to breathe into your life today, would you just stand with me? Just stand with me. Whoever wants just the breath of God, a fresh breath of God to come into their life, just stand. If you would just lift your hands, just open up like you're going to receive a gift. He is going to give you a gift today. Jesus, this is what you said. You said, if anyone asks for the Holy Spirit, that you would give to them generously. In fact, you said, how much more would you give the Holy Spirit, the Father give the Holy Spirit, than any other earthly father would be able to give or be willing to give good things to their kids? How much more, exceedingly more, you want us to receive the gift and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is the original mission. It is the mission. It's what you came to do. Father, these people are standing here to receive more of you today, more of your spirit, more of your wind. And as they ask, Father, breathe into their life, breathe into their world, fill them with your spirit, baptize them with your spirit, release new gifts to them, Father, supernatural wisdom and knowledge and the ability to pray supernatural prayers that they don't understand in their own intelligence, but you give them syllables and words to say that are powerful according to your spirit. You give them the ability to hear your voice and to know what you are saying and to be able to say it in powerful ways to the people around them. Holy Spirit, breathe into their lives right now. Just say this. Say, Father, I believe. Father, I believe. And I want your breath. Breathe into me right now. Breathe into me right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive it. I receive it. Right now. Right now. I know. I know. 
You're faithful, You're faithful to give me the Spirit. Give me the Spirit. This is your desire. This is your desire. This is what you want. This is what you want. So breathe into me right now in Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to breathe. Take deep breaths in. Just breathe in the Spirit of the living God right now. Just breathe in His peace right now. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.